Boscoin. Uh, familiar stories to anybody who's been around church for any length of time. Staple of junior church, staple of all age services. And of course, the danger with familiar stories is that they lose their power. They lose their potency. We become over-familiar with them. It'd be easy to see these stories as just uh, nice, twee stories where Jesus talks about God's love. But actually, there's, there's an edge to these stories. There's a little uh, bite in these stories that can be lost by being uh, over-familiar with them. The context of these stories is that Jesus is sitting and eating with tax collectors and sinners, people on the edge, people who are uh, notoriously bad. And he's challenged by the Pharisees, uh, the righteous religious of his day. Why are you, Jesus, spending time with these people? Why are you wasting your time on people such as this? And Jesus' response is softened a little bit in our NIV translation. He goes, he goes straight into some parables. Uh, suppose one of you. But actually, in the original, it's a little bit stronger. Jesus responds to the Pharisees with the words, Which of you? So he's making a point here. He's making a story, but it's directed at the Pharisees. He's making a contrast A contrast between the attitude of the religious who are smug and self-satisfied and those in his story who seek and save that which is lost. A woman who searches hard for a coin. A shepherd who goes after a sheep that's wandered off. A father who waits for his son. The two stories we've uh, heard read this morning uh, form a triplet with a third story, the parable of the lost sons. And Tim's going to speak about that next week. We have the same themes running throughout these two weeks. We're focusing on the mercy of God and his searching for the lost. First, I'm going to talk about these two stories, and Tim will speak about that one next week. But the point really is the same in all of them. Jesus is making a contrast. There's a contrast between those who seek and those who are self-satisfied. And even more sharply than that, Jesus is making a contrast between the attitude of the Pharisees and his own attitude. Who would go off looking for a lost sheep? Not the Pharisees. Who would scour the house for a lost coin? Not the Pharisees. Who would stand patiently scanning the horizon for a lost son? Not the Pharisees. But what did Jesus say he was about? Do you recognize these words? I came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus talks about a shepherd looking for a sheep, and he would elsewhere describe himself as a good shepherd. Good shepherd who seeks out the sheep. So there's some common themes in these stories. I'm going to drop on uh, four of those uh, this morning, and Tim will have to find something else to talk about next week. First is this. The subjects of these parables are all valued. The shepherd loses one sheep out of a hundred and goes off in search of it. Hundred is a round number. It means a large number. 
uh, probably several flocks. In that, those days, flocks were much, much, much smaller, much more scattered. So it's probably uh, the sheep of a number of villages gathered together and cared for by one shepherd. There's probably too many to count accurately, about a about hundred, let's say. Could be 97, could be 103, but one is missing. Your average shepherd probably wouldn't notice, but the good shepherd notices straight away. And such is the value of that sheep, one hundredth of the flock, that he leaves the 99 and goes off in search of it. And he doesn't rest until he's found it. Then he throws it over his shoulder and he brings it home. Even though he is wealthy or responsible for a large amount of wealth, he still values that one that is lost. Then we have the second parable, the lost coin. There's a kind of ranking up in the stories as we go. One sheep in a hundred, and then one coin in ten. There's a little detail in this parable that Jesus puts in. The woman lights the lamp and sweeps her house as she searches for the coin. This probably hints that this woman is a poor woman. She lights a lamp because there's no windows in her house, which would be typical of the kind of place a poor widow would live in. She moves the furniture, she sweeps the floor, she searches until she finds her lost coin. What is a poor woman in a poor house doing with ten silver coins? Well, in Jesus' day, when a bride was married, uh, the gifts would be given and often they would be exchanged uh, for silver coins. Those silver coins would be uh, threaded together to make a necklace and that would be her prized possession. That would symbolise the wealth that she was given at her marriage. Ten coins strung together, all of her wealth. This coin is valuable. This coin is a tenth of her wealth. Not a hundredth, but a tenth. More than that, it has an emotional significance. Those of you who at times have lost an engagement ring or, or a wedding ring will know how that feels. So she searches until she finds her lost coin. What about the third story? We move from a hundredth to a tenth to half. A father has two sons. One of them runs off. He loses half of his treasure. What value can you put on the life of a son? Everything that is lost is valued. And they are lost. And that's the second point here. Sheep are meant to roam the hills in the company of others. They're meant to be guarded by a shepherd. They're vulnerable on their own. They need someone to protect them. But our our little sheep has wandered off. Coins are meant to be kept safe. They're meant to be threaded together. They're meant to be kept in a safe or buried in the ground or or kept with a trusted family member. They're meant to be guarded and protected. Not meant to be rolling around on the floor or hiding under the skirting board. Sons are meant to be at home. 
They're meant to be at home by the side of their father. They're meant to learn from him. Be ready to take on the family business. Learn the tools of the trade. Be ready to take up their inheritance when the father passes away and the family business passes down to them. They're not meant to wander off over the hills, wasting their life. The sheep, the coin, the sun are all in the wrong place. They are all lost. The coin is an inanimate object. It's been lost through circumstance. We don't know what has happened. The sheep has wandered off. It's become distracted. Seen some nice grass on a far hill. It's got left behind as the other sheep have moved on. It's lost the voice of the shepherd. The son has rebelled. The son has made a conscious decision to live for himself, to do his own thing, to live for now. Lost through circumstance. Lost through inattention and wandering off. Lost through rebellion. But all lost. They all have the same fate. In the scriptures, being lost is a, a metaphor for the spiritual condition of being out of relationship with God, separate from Him, isolated from Him, cut off from Him. The scriptures declare that without Christ, all are lost whether through circumstance, whether through wandering off, whether through rebellion. Isaiah the prophet wrote hundreds of years before Jesus, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. Paul, decades after Jesus, would write in Ephesians, we were dead and without hope in the world. All are lost without Christ. Yet through Christ, all may be found. That same Paul would write, God was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All are lost, but all may be found, because all are valued. When we were in the Philippines, we first uh, moved there, and we were there for uh, a month as we started, and in our first month, everything went wrong. We were supposed to uh, be living in Manila, but there'd been a change of plans, and we'd had to move to Cebu, which is the second uh, city in the Philippines. And we had no contacts there, we had no connections there, uh, we had no plan of what we would do. Uh, Sally and I, with uh, two small children, uh, found emergency accommodation in a hotel. We had enough funds for, for three days, and then our mission society would, would mail us more money when we'd found somewhere to stay. We had no church to look after us, nobody was expecting us. We had three days in the uh, hotel, and then we found out about uh, a guest house uh, nearby run by a Baptist college, and so we moved there into uh, the Baptist guest house. 
a little place tucked away down in a side street. And for the first month, we had to uh, find ourselves somewhere to live, somewhere to rent, had to explore how we would get around, find our way around a new city, uh, try and make contact with the Anglican church that were there but didn't know uh, much about us. Everything had gone wrong. Imagine it was a pretty uh, stressful time. And I think my lowest moment came about a month or so in when uh, I was spending my days riding around in taxis uh, trying to find a place to rent because obviously we had to move out of the uh, Baptist guest house, couldn't stay there forever. And the way that that would happen there, no kind of internet renting or rental agencies, you literally drove around looking for signs saying property for rent. Uh, Stop at the house, jump out, knock on the door, find out what was for rent, how, how much it would cost and do the deal there or then. So I would spend my days uh, driving around in a taxi, looking for places to rent, and uh, Sally would look after the children at the Baptist guest house. Had a a fruitless day of doing this, and uh, was uh, back at the Baptist uh, guest house, hot and tired and fed up. And I realised I'd lost my phone. Now my phone had everything in it had uh, contact details of everybody we knew in Cebu, uh, had bank account details uh, on there, had all my email addresses, everything like that. Everything that I had was tied in some way to that phone. And this was the final straw of the disaster that had been our first uh, month of missionary work. I remember saying to Sally, that's it, I've had enough, we're going back to the UK, this has been a disaster, don't want to do this anymore. And uh, she did that thing that wives do when they know their husband's really, really had enough. She just didn't say anything, just just played quietly with the children. Two hours later, I could hear a frantic uh, horn, a car horn, going at the uh, gate of the Baptist guest house. Went out to see what was happening. And there was a taxi driver looking somewhat confused uh, with his passenger waving my phone out of the back window of the car. The phone had been found. Went over, tried to find out what had happened. What had happened was this. As I'd been in the phone looking around for somewhere to rent uh, my, my, uh, in the taxi, uh, my phone had slipped out of my pocket, slid down the, uh, the back seat of the car and gone under the driver's seat. Uh, I got out of the taxi in the, in the centre of town, gone to find if somewhere was for rent, couldn't find anywhere, got another taxi, uh, come back to the Baptist guest house, not, God, Baptist guest house, uh, not realised. For two hours, the taxi driver had driven around Cebu, taking other passengers, getting fares, stopping for lunch, doing all that kind of stuff. He got his last uh, fare, driving uh, through uh, Cebu, when suddenly a phone goes off under his chair. He does an emergency stop and brakes. The passenger in the back seat picks up the phone. They look at each other, kind of confused. The taxi driver motions to the passenger, you should answer the phone. The passenger answers the phone. The person on the other end says, who's this? They said, I've just found this phone in the taxi. The person on the other side says, uh, well, uh, this belongs to Lee, he's a missionary um, in Cebu. They go, okay, where, do, where does he live? They say, well, I don't think he's got anywhere to live, but he's staying at the Baptist guest house. They look around, they've stopped outside the Baptist guest house. 
taxi driver beeps his horn. And a depressed, fed-up, hot and sweaty missionary on the verge of divorce (laughs) walks out and recovers his phone. True story. That which is lost is always found. The lady keeps looking until she finds the coin. The shepherd keeps on searching until he finds his sheep. The father never gives up hoping until he sees his son against again. That which is lost is valuable. All are lost. That which is lost is found. And there is great rejoicing. The lady calls her friends and neighbours and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. The shepherd calls his friends and neighbours and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. The father says to his servants, Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you see what Jesus is saying through these stories? Our circumstances may be different. We may be lost through circumstance or wandering off or conscious rebellion. We're all unique, but we all get lost. God's will is that that which is lost would be found. That we would find our way home. And when we do, it's cause for great celebration. To make sure there's no doubt, Jesus repeats uh, this again and again. 15 verse 7. I tell you in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who do not need to repent. Verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who turns their life around. And treading on Tim's territory, verse 32. The father says, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he has been found. Jesus describes the condition of those who are lost as dead and the condition of those who are found as alive. Jesus is the one who brings from death life because he went through death and rose again for us. So the question this morning, or questions this morning, and there are three, are these. The first, and by far the most important, is this. Have you been found? Have you been found? Has the good shepherd found you yet, thrown you over his uh, shoulder and carried you home? Has the father run to meet you and embraced you as his child? Has the mother, looking in the darkness, found her treasured coin? Have you been found? Are you sure? Are you sure that you are sure? The reason we run courses like the Alpha course is to give people an opportunity to look again at the claims of Christ. This stuff 
matters. This is important. This is life and death. Jesus says so. You can be found and you can be sure that you are found. And if you're not sure, I encourage you to consider the Alpha course. Details in our bulletin, uh, postcards at the back. Chance to get together with others and ask those difficult questions. Second question is this, are we rejoicing? Began the service with that verse from Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There is rejoicing in heaven. Phrase I read recently, the saved love to sing. Mock of those who are found is that they rejoice. Are you rejoicing? Does this stir your hearts? Does this stir your spirit? And if not, why not? What has gone wrong? And thirdly and finally, are we sharing? This is good news. This is light in the darkness. Are we sharing this? How can we keep this to ourselves? There's a wonderful story in the book of Acts where um, Peter is preaching and the Pharisees uh, come uh, again and they say to him, you need to, be, you need to be quiet, you need to shut up about Jesus. You can preach about other stuff, but don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about him rising from the dead. Don't talk about him finding those who are lost. And Peter says simply, how can we keep silent? How can we keep silent? How can we keep this to ourselves? Have you been found? Are you rejoicing? Are you sharing? Let's pray. If our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against us? Lord, we thank you that it's your nature to seek and to save the lost. You love to embrace us and welcome us home. And Lord, we pray for any who you feel lost this morning, that you'd reveal yourself afresh to them. Through the spoken word, uh, through communion. You'd assure them of your love for them and invite them and us home. Lord, we pray that you'd give us rejoicing hearts. This is not just be something in our head, but something that will fire our spirits. Lord, where we are silent, we pray you would open our mouths, that we would share this good news with others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let's stand.